Return, O virgin daughter of Israel, to these your highways by which you went. Welcome to Reunion Roadmap, a place to discover the people and communities along the Highway of Restoration for Israel's House of Joseph. Reunion Roadmap is a B'nai Yosef North America production. Be our guest for the next hour as we meet the people of the emerging House of Joseph here in North America. Hello, this is Stefania Pappas with Beneos of North America, and with me is Al McCarn, our executive director, and we're going to part two in our interview with Samuel Werp. Isn't that right, Al? Yes, and at the moment, Samuel is still in Boise, Idaho, at uh, a rehab facility where he is getting stronger every day. And as I mentioned in the uh, in the show last week, Samuel came down with a very strange sickness. Now it's about a month ago, and uh, he was airlifted out of the town where he was deputy sheriff to uh, ultimately to Boise. And, you know, I still haven't heard what the diagnosis is, and I think it's still a mystery, but there's something spiritual going on here. And in the meantime, our brother Samuel just keeps getting stronger, and it's a testimony to the healing power and the grace of our Creator and Redeemer. So um, look forward to uh, hearing Samuel's story of this whole thing. But right now, we've got the uh, second part of the interview he and I did a few weeks ago, just on the eve of his departure from Israel to back to the United States and up, up to Idaho. This is where we start talking about, as Samuel explains, there's now a clear line between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. This is our ongoing conversation about how did the world change on October 7th, 2023, when the people of Israel were set upon by brutal, demonically inspired uh, terrorists who did all manner of evil atrocities. We're going to talk in this segment about what it is as Samuel is explaining, that Jews need to recognize about the nature of this war, the spiritual nature. And by extension, we get into, on our side of the family, the Christian side, what is it we need to recognize? So at the risk of a spoiler alert, uh, Zephania, how would you characterize that? Uh, what is it that Jews and Christians both need to be aware of about this war? that we do have people that hate us. And I think that's really has come out not only in the aspect through what's happened to Israel and in that aspect, but also what's happened as a result of what we see going around in the world. They hate both our brothers, and if they hate our brothers, they hate us. Yeah, that's that's true. And we have a hard time recognizing this because... Yes. In this postmodern world, we have a hard time recognizing the fact that, that there is absolute evil, yes. and there is absolute good. Samuel's got it, and as he explains, there are many Israeli Jews who get it now, and there are many on our side of the family as well who are beginning to understand and pray through this and ask, what do we do about it? So with that as introduction, let's go on back to Idaho and continue our conversation with Samuel Werp. 
there 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 are no really words that that I can that, <laughs> yeah, there's a loss of words for what I've actually seen and witnessed and and her testimony too and 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 all of the videos and I know that Israel isn't perfect and I know that we should seek uh, the truth always but I I definitely see a, a clear line of of light versus darkness like that 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 was what was revealed uh, on October 7th and, and and in these past hundred and some days has been a war between light and darkness and the reality is is that the the Muslims here understand that this is a religious war the the Jewish people here in Israel I would I would say are are in a dilemma because they there's some that understand that this is a religious war and there's some that that they want to they want to play by the rules of of uh, the world and and be um accepted and loved by everyone and the reality is is uh, for one thing they should know from history that uh, the world will never love love a Jew the, the the only one that they seem to truly love is a dead one and and they might and that's the only time that they might move a little bit because i think october 7th was a huge shock uh even to those on the left because nobody nobody could have imagined something so horrific but they should know from history right the jewish people should know from history that the uh, the world doesn't really side with them um and that they just need to be strong they need to they need to push forward with with what um that well first of all they need to recognize that this is very religious and second of all they need to recognize that they need to to come into their calling of, of who God's desiring them to be and that's uh, or the going which is a light to the nations and um they need to 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 see that need to see and recognize their calling and they're in that dilemma of figuring out how they go about that which which to be honest is a, a dilemma because um how do you do that right and so um that's a huge question of how you go about doing that right and i i wouldn't uh, want to be and i don't pretend to be a uh, uh an expert on the issue and and uh, all of the israeli politicians are in very hard places i i um i pray for them and i and i bless them because they're in shoes that are too, way too large for me to fill to fill for sure but um in many ways i think they they are still trying to play the game of of being accepted by everyone when they when they should realize that unfortunately the world is the world is not pro jew the world is not pro israel um mostly because they're not pro the god of abraham isaac and jacob so yeah it is a very religious war um the the muslims here know it i mean this war that uh that we here in israel call iron swords was called by them the the al-aqsa flood right al-quds flood so they understand that this is all about the temple mount this is about jerusalem there's a war there and we want to pretend that this is something else or they just don't like us for for some odd reason um or they don't like the jewish people here for some odd reason but the muslims now and i think many jews are waking up to that reality as well so this is a something um, much bigger than maybe what what most of the world would want to think it is um because uh the reality of, of the bible uh, is being played out right right in front of our eyes oh you got that right um i'm thinking right now of what the lord said through his prophet hosea my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge or lack of vision 
And, you know, that could apply to, that does apply to both halves of his covenant family. The Jewish half, which is from where I sit here in South Carolina today, I'm seeing whether you're a Israeli citizen or you live in Brooklyn, you have to come to grips with the fact that you're Jewish, and that means you are of the chosen people, and that means someone has chosen you, meaning the God of Abraham. So what does that mean? And then us on the Christian side, we're grafted in or adopted into the same family, and we have to come to terms with, hey, those Jewish people, they are chosen by God to be his visible representation on earth. And and it seems that after October 7th, the um, the veils have been torn away. And I'm seeing the connections. I mean, it goes back to uh, now we're studying the Torah portions about the exodus from Egypt, but we could look at the events around Purim um, mm-hmm. when Esther and Mordecai were dealing with the same spirit that tried to destroy the Jews for the same reason. Uh, or we're looking at what happened in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, when the same spirit tried to prevent them from doing what God said, return to my land, rebuild my city, rebuild my temple, reinstitute what I have given you so you can be a light to the nations. So now that's where I see the world world has changed, and it is a dividing line, and you've articulated that very well, Samuel. But let's let's get into how how could you miss this? It sure does seem that the majority of people here in the United States, Christian or otherwise, are oblivious to it. You have recently visited, in fact, I think it was yesterday, was your second trip down south to where the massacres happened at the site of the Nova Festival, at uh, the Kibbutzim, Kfar Aza, and Be'eri. I assume you've also been to sites like Auschwitz and other Holocaust sites. What's different about these places right there in the land of Israel that were devastated on October 7th on Simchat Torah? Yeah, well, I think we could, you know, you've, you've pointed out that there's uh, some similarities, and I guess uh, that's just the fact that we see throughout history with the story of Purim, the story of Hanukkah, with the story of uh, all of these different um uh, histories, also with the Holocaust, that there is a, a very, um, there's a spirit in this world that seems to continue to raise its head called the spirit of anti-Semitism, anti, anti, uh, anti-Bible, anti-God, or anti-the God of Israel, I should say. But then what is the difference? Um, yeah, I would say one of the big differences is, is that for many Israelis, it was a shock because Auschwitz represents uh, the Jews of exile, right? There were people that were, had made their homes elsewhere that didn't think the land, they, they kind of, you know, the land of Israel was important, but, you know, maybe for maybe for some time in the future. And it wasn't until um, after the Holocaust, the Shoah, that the Jewish people recognized, no, we need our own state, or we need a, a, a place of refuge for the Jewish people. So now, 1948, some... 70 years later, we have a, a beautiful state, a beautiful home that the Jewish people have built. And this was their home. Right? This was the place that they could come. And they have an army, and they can uh, keep themselves safe. 
And then all of a sudden this happens. That was in many ways the difference. It's because the Jewish people had been saying for so long, well, this happened. Things like the Shoah were allowed to happen because we didn't have a homeland. We didn't have a state. We didn't have a place of refuge to go to. And now all of a sudden, we have October 7th, right? And it's happening in our very uh, backyard. You know, prior to October 7th, uh, the land of Israel was going through a, a very tumultuous season, a time of a lot of turmoil, a time of a lot of division, disunity, a lot of infighting, a lot of just fighting, a lot of what the, what the sages would call sinatrinam, baseless hatred, this right versus left, you know, um, Haredim, the ultra-religious against the secular, um, all kinds of division and, and hatred and turmoil. And October 7th, all of a sudden, there was no more right and left, and there was no more religious and secular. All of a sudden, there was Am Israel. It was the people of Israel. It was Am Israel, and they were there to do whatever they, they needed to do for their brothers, for their friends, for each other. Why why that happened? I mean, why October 7th happened? I mean, it's hard to say. It was, it was you know, 12 to 1,400 innocent lives, plus another 197, which was the, the death toll of soldiers, I believe, yesterday. It's probably more now. Uh, why that had to happen, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say, well, this is the reason. But I will say that after the fact, we see the nation of Israel as one nation. And that in turn means that they're one light. They're able to be one light to the world. There's not all of these different lights trying to say, we're the, we're the light, or this is the light, or you know, we have the light, come follow our light. Now the nation of Israel is one nation, and they're united to, to, to fight evil, to destroy um, something that came to, to destroy them. And so um, the sages have a saying, they say, uh, beware lest you open a fence, lest the dog bite you. And they say, well, what, what does having an open fence have anything to do with the dog biting you? And they say, well, if you leave a fence open, then you actually open the door for the dog to come in. And when the dog comes in, he will bite you. And that's what I think we saw happen uh, with the Jewish people. And what was the fence they left open? The fence that they left open wasn't, wasn't a, a physical fence so much as it was a spiritual fence of 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 offense it was it was an offense against jew against jew it was a lot of hatred ongoing in this country uh, which which god thank god we've we've seen suddenly change and so um all of a sudden there's there's a real spirit of love there's a real spirit of unity there's a real spirit of everyone being there for each other that is broken out across this nation and it's a beautiful thing to experience and to witness and to see and also to be a part of, um, to, to actually come and, and see the Jewish people, uh, I, I guess, uh, see that healing process taking place of being able to love each other uh, and to see families come become reunited once again, families that have been fighting over politics and all these other, uh, I would say, lesser important issues that seem to divide us so quickly. 
uh, have gone to the wayside. And so it's been an it's been an amazingly different trip here to Israel uh, to see the nation of Israel as one for for the first time in a long time. And I think that October seventh was just the beginning. I was seeing the nation united, and unfortunately, these are the kinds of things that it seems like it seems that these are the things that that it takes to to bring the people of Israel together. And so, Shalom, God forbid, but this might not be the last of of the October seventh that that we might see the world coming up to. But I think that uh, the Jewish people are are becoming a more a more strong and united nation. Uh, I should say the nation of Israel is becoming a more strong united nation, um, and and there are Jewish people that are coming home because of that. And so, I would I would also add that I heard this this story. It was um this was a rabbi by the name of uh, Yitzhak Ben Meir. He said that this was I believe during the Yom Kippur War, which was very similar to October seventh, a surprise attack that caught Israel totally off guard. He said that he had been uh, fighting in the trenches, and it was a very hard war. Israel had been caught caught completely surprised, and so uh, it was a, a vicious war, and it was a war that there was a lot of uh, effort that they had to put out in order to win that war. And Baruch Hashem, praise God, they did. Um, but this one, this one, he's a rabbi now. He wasn't a rabbi at the time. This Yitzhak Ben Meir, he said he went. Uh, he had some leave, and. Um, during his leave, you know, leave is to go off and, and see family and to take a rest and get your laundry done and eat some good food. So, but for, for him, the most important thing that he felt he needed to do was go and talk to his rabbi. And so within his, his time of leave, he went and he went to his rabbi and he said he met his rabbi at the door and it's like, you know, Shalom, Rabbi, I, I was hoping I would be able to talk to you. And the rabbi didn't really even rec- or, or, like, recognize Yitzhak, like, say, you know, as a person. He just, all he said was, where's the document? And Yitzhak, then my ear was taken aback. He was like, what, what are you talking about? Where's the document? Rabbi, I'm, I'm your student. You know, I've been away at war. You know, we've been... And the rabbi was like, where's the document? And Yitzhak was like, I, I don't have any document. What do you, what's your, what's your, what are you trying to say here? I, you know, I, I just came, I wanted to talk to you. And then the rabbi said, he says, listen, Yitzhak, I, I see that the war, you know, has, has, uh, you know, has you confused and befuddled and, and, uh, you know, you're very upset about what has happened. He said, but where's the document that says, that the redemption is just going to come easy. Where is the document that says that, yeah, the Jews are going to return home and everything's going to be roses and, 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 uh, you know, and daisies and we're all just going to enter into a wonderful time. It's like, there is none. There isn't. So the, we have to realize that, you know, oftentimes uh, with the roses come the thorns. And that's, I believe, what we're seeing. Um, here is, is yeah the process of Geula, the process of redemption. There's something very beautiful even now that we get to experience. You know, we get to see the unity of Israel, the Jewish people. Uh, we get to see, you know, uh, the the wilderness once again becoming like a garden, the garden of God. We're seeing that happen here in the land of Israel. Uh, we're seeing children playing in the streets of Jerusalem. 
right? We're seeing all these things happening, and yet at the same time, we are also seeing the thorns. We're seeing the October 7th. We're seeing the, the things that uh, hurt and that pain us. And it's both. It's both that are needed in order to see the ultimate Gila, in order to see the ultimate redemption. So, yeah, we there is nothing, there is no, say, document that says this is how it's going to happen. You know, we have kind of a manuscript, and it gives us, you know, well, this is where we are. So right now is the time for planting vines. I would say right now the time the season that we're living in um, is a time of it's a time of of uh, taking up the sword. It's a time of war, truly in in, in any way that you can, right? And so um, for for people that are are good spokespeople, then it's a time for for speaking words of 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 truth. For the people that are good with with the pen, you know, the pen is mightier than the sword. It's a time of taking up the pen, and. Um, telling the the reality of what's happening here. If it's people that are good with their hands, then it's the time for them to pick up, take their hands, and come and either uh, do do uh, things in 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 wherever they are, wherever country they are, in order to spread the news of what's happening here, or it's or it's actually to come here and to serve. Uh, but whatever it is, um, now is the time of of war. It's a time of of us coming together and saying what is our part in in what we see happening um the other side seems to know that that we're uh, there's going to be a struggle and the other side seems to be preparing for that and they seem prepared for that uh, and they seem to be amping up to to attempt to destroy the light that is in this world and so we need to prepare the same not out of not out of hatred but out of love and i think that was something that i also didn't appreciate when I when I first heard a lot of people talk about uh, like you know what was happening here in Israel. And now, trust by Dylan White. Working on my trust issues, yeah, and I've been learning not to trust issues. Full transparency, it's been tough to work through. Trusting the process cannot be a hurdle, man. And I've been praying on my knees lately. Righteousness and peace are the things that I'm chasing. Greed and lust to honor are the tools of the Satan. And it's funny how they pop up whenever the world is breaking, man. It's okay though. You work it all up for the best, just like we pray for. You show me how to see the good and just be grateful. Cause challenges are simply chances to be faithful I know, I know darkness is meant to show light I know deserts are sources of life I was blind but you gave me new sight Up and downs both gracious gets from on Heino, Milado Yeah, you have the words of life Where else could I go, I go Heino, Milado Dollars in the bank, trusting in my God that I ain't about to pray. He had cattle on a thousand hills, he gave me everything. 
saying if you see my girl you don't understand my faith Man I'm blessed, yeah I'm blessed, uh, it's just a true Looking at the sky but don't let it get you blue Spirit only rests when you in a joyous mode I ain't never seen it, Sally got it begging for no Solid dream, no biggie, he can turn the thorns into crowns Then we gonna see behind the curtain when that trumpet sounds Pull it, David Blaine, peering on that temple mount All over problems, really opportunities to sort of lower joy Bring his name to unity and lift up all the Cause if we're being honest, redemption is a show But tomorrow isn't promised Shalom everybody, welcome to the Midrash portion of Reunion Roadmap This is David Jones, with me today is Barry Phillips Shalom brother Shalom, David. I uh, was recently reading through scripture, and I come across a portion of scripture in Ephesians 6. Many mm-hmm. people may be aware of it, talking about um, the full armor of Yahweh, right? Okay. And uh, I've heard speculated many times from many different sources, many different people, that uh, as 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 Paul was sitting in a, in a Roman, you know, uh, gel cell he's looking at a roman soldier and he's kind of making comparisons between this roman soldier and, and how we're supposed to be you know soldiers for god kind of thing right and yeah. i i understand the concept yeah. i understand the concept we are in the army of yahweh we are um you know to stand up for righteousness and and and, and the aspect you know we're soldiers scripture, scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood it's a spiritual battle all these things i get it i understand but I have a hard time making that comparison to a Roman soldier when, you know, the Romans were not known for their um, godliness, let's say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. idea that we would be encouraged to be like the oppressor of Yah's people. Yeah. Uh, who uh, run extremely roughshod, if not worse, over them. Uh, that's problematic. So I, I was having issues with that. I, I was having a hard time reconciling that, even though, like I said, I get the concept. But would Yahweh really say, I want you to be like your oppressor? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Just for a long time, I had a problem with it. And then uh, a few years back, um, I've, I've been kind of in this understanding of the way of thinking now for 24 years. So uh, quite a few years back it was kind of brought to my attention. It's like, well, maybe just maybe Rav Shoal wasn't just talking about like a Roman soldier. Maybe he was equating to other things in scripture that we just haven't really thought about yet. I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, it, it still sounds kind of abstract, right? Okay. Yeah. But then, but then saying, what if he was saying, putting things in relationship to the priesthood? Because we're in a spiritual battle, and how do you fight a spiritual battle? Then I start thinking about, okay, well, Yahweh says when my people go out to battle, um, you know, literally when they go out to battle, it wasn't the generals who came out and said, okay, people, we're going to war, this is the plan, and, you know, to give them their speech to go. No, the priests came out and said, and, and, and addressed the people. It's a spiritual battle. It's spiritual warfare. And so would it make sense that the battle that we do 
is in a spiritual realm. And if that is in a spiritual realm, then we follow, let's, you know, put it in this terminology, our commander, which is Yeshua, which is our high priest, right? Right. So then putting in that context, um, what if he was kind of abstractly equating to these things to have a duality? Things where people who they don't know what they're reading, we're kind of reading it and uh, would think he's talking about a Roman soldier, but someone with a little more understanding of the Tanakh maybe would say he's uh, referring to a spiritual battle from, and showing pictures of the priesthood. Uh, you, you mentioned spiritual warfare here. Um, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to be sure that I, I don't over-color analyze this thing. But in my imagination, I'll put it that way, I can see, David, that when the priestly functions were being carried out in either the tabernacle or temple complexes, they were very uh, specifically outlined in exhaustive detail how you're to do this, how you're to present uh, your your offerings and, and to operate inside the rooms exactly what needs to be done. Uh, it was in the exacting detail, I think, that Yah was enabling uh, a victorious atmosphere to be established for Israel. If we can imagine, again, the uh, 10th chapter of, of Daniel and the warfare that was going on just in a man praying that it took 21 days of prayer and intercession for a message that was released on the first day to get to him, that there was a battle taking place, a wrestling in the heavenlies. Now, whether, you know, messenger beings fight with swords or whether it's just, you know, physical grappling and wrestling, we don't, I, you know, who knows, but it took Michael or Michael being released to come to Gabriel's assistance to get the answer through. Can you imagine what was going on in the heavenlies as the powerful principalities of a variety of nations or influences were seeking to, as they are today, destroy Israel? You know, the nations of the earth are still aligned against Israel. Is it not just political leaders and governments, but also spiritual entities and the heavenlies that are circling overhead, so to speak, mm, yeah. and influencing events and, and situations in the land? How much spiritual warfare in the heavenlies, unseen to our human eyes, is taking place? And what advantage would take place if the temple was reconstructed and these offerings were being carried out by men who were exact in their duties, not to appease Yah, but to reveal him? You know, we kind of get the idea that these offerings and so forth were to appease him and keep him from being mad at Israel so he wouldn't judge them. It was that that's not the purpose the purpose of all that was carried out was to reveal him and so in the the high priest as he donned his garments he was revealing our messiah and in the revelation of the messiah comes power and authority as we see who he is to me that's it's 
it's more than just a, a concept, an abstract concept that there might be a warfare element about it. I think it was a very literal warfare going on. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, for the sake of time, I, I'd like to kind of quickly go through these. Uh, I'm looking at six different things here, and the amount of time we have left, that gives us roughly about a minute per. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to breach. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think we can do this. I think this is going to be good. Um, but if we can just kind of uh, do our, do, do a, a quick talk about this. Um, I believe it was re relating to the high priest is, is uh, the spiritual war, the spiritual battle. And you said how he, everything mattered when it, when he came before Yahweh and stepped before the king, right? Right. Uh, same thing when you're in the military, um, when you are presented with someone of a higher rank or someone you're, uh, uh, you're showing that to, it was always, you dressed a certain way, you acted a certain way. There was order. There was things It was all established. Okay. And, um, and I think in the high priest garments, we can see some of this. And, and like you said, pointing to a relationship and, and all Yeshua. And all right. So without kind of belaboring that, we have the belt of truth. And uh, I'm going to cross-reference these from, from Ephesians 6, 11 to 17. So the belt of truth, we can go to Isaiah 11, 5. And it says righteousness will be the belt around his loins and faithfulness, the belt around his waist. So we have a belt of faithfulness and righteousness, which is uh, truth. And then so, the bre the breastplate of righteousness, Isaiah fifty nine seventeen says he put on a breastplate, a righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head, clothed himself with robes of vengeance, wrapped himself with zeal as a cloak. Pictures of all these being put on, but the breastplate of righteousness, the Hoshan Hamishpat, was, is what we call the breastplate and the, the breastplate that went over the high priest, literally the breastplate of judgment, the breastplate of judging, which yes. reveals God's righteousness. So um, what about the shoes? Okay, well, the high priest, when he went in, he had to be barefoot. Yeah. So it doesn't say, you know, you're wearing shoes. It says, put as shoes for your feet the gospel of peace. So wear like shoes the gospel. So like when Moshe in Exodus 3, 5, when he went before Yahweh, he said, take off your man-made shoes and, 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 and come before me. I protect your feet. You come before me. And then even as well as that, Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bring good news. Um, so again, we're taking off our man-made shoes and, and, and coming before him. May uh, I quickly insert here, yeah, David? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, one way of looking at the high priest uh, barefooted is that it kept him grounded. The power that was in there, he needed to be grounded, yes. literally. But it also uh, metaphorically says if you're going to share the gospel of peace, you need to be well grounded. Yeah, that helps. That's good. That's good. That's great. Um, I want to jump through these really quick, and then I'm I'm going to give you time time to kind of throw throw your more more thoughts on this. Um, the shield, um, Psalm eighty four eleven. Yahweh is a sun and shield, and and uh, Psalm one fifteen eleven. Uh, Yahweh is our help and our shield. And for the helmet of salvation, we already read Isaiah 59, 17, which talks about the helmet of salvation. Well, which, by the way, the helmet of salvation, the the what was written across Aaron's forehead was Kadosh, Kadosh Yahweh, holy to the Lord. That would be the helmet being set apart to Yahweh. His salvation is uh, set, him setting us apart. Lastly, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. He says that, which is the word of God. Well, 
what's the word of God? Um, you know, there was the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us, right? And it was the word. So Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing through the separation of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The word of God, it, it, it separates and makes distinctions and clarifies and can separate and can bring healing because of that. Um, Revelation, John, uh, Revelation of John 116, he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth was a two-edged sword. What was the two-edged sword? The word of Yahweh. The word. Mm. And uh, John 663, it is the spirit that quickens, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. So as the sword of the spirit is the word of the spirit, which was spoken again by Yeshua and as is spirit and life can cut to the heart of the matter clarify, bring distinction, discern, and bring healing on there. The helmet of salvation being set apart to Yahweh. Um, the shield, we trust in him to be our shield. And then the shoes, the breastplate, the belt, all of these things can work together. And we see the symbolism of just being holy and set apart, but also used in the midst of a battle as well. Okay, Barry, I tried to go through, through that really quick so that I'm, I'm not monopolizing any time here. No, but, uh, no. Uh, I, I know you got some thoughts that you, you want to get out of this. Well, uh, uh, two in particular, uh, the belt of truth, uh, being girded by truth. Truth is not opinion. Uh hmm. We can't say, well, it's the doctrine of the church or it's the doctrine of our congregation or whatever. Doctrine is man's um, conclusions drawn from what he perceives to be truth. So our doctrines, uh, as long as they are actual truth, are legit. Otherwise, we may do more dividing than gathering by our doctrines. So, you know, it, it's... <laughs> A belt is designed to hold your pants up. <laughs> so, but, it, you know, it's not just for propriety and decency. Uh, the rabbinical idea of a belt is it also divides the upper part of the heart and the mind from the lower, more base regions of, of the man's body. So truth is that which shows what is set apart and what is not. And you mentioned the the um, the golden band or or the the um, um, the part the of the, yeah the crown. Thank you, holiness to Yah. You you never know how Yah sees somebody. You may look at them and have a negative opinion and get ready to voice that. Before you do, caution yourself. Maybe just stare at their forehead and wonder, does their forehead have separated unto the most high on it? Mm -hmm. Would I stand here and voice an opinion that is completely contrary to the most high's opinion of this person? Like, would, would I bring railing accusations against a brother as I'm reading on his forehead, holy to the Lord? Yeah, that might not be a good idea. <laughs> well, uh I, I felt like we kind of went through this a little quicker than, than we wanted to, but um, I think we kind of got a good point and a, and a good foundation for someone wanting to midrash it. What do you think? I think so. I think we were, it, well, it doesn't matter. We're out of time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, we love to hear your thoughts and uh, your feedback on these things. So uh, yeah, you can reach us at reunion roadmap at Benet Yosef, Till next time. Shalom, everyone.
Shalom, Rob. Here are Samuel and Benjamin Werp of Blessed by Israel performing Ki Mitzion, Out of Zion.
You just heard Samuel and Benjamin Werp with Kimitzion, Out of Zion. And before that, Dylan White with Trust. Now, we had a very interesting midrash in between the two, and uh, Barry and David call it the priest's armor. Zephania, I've been thinking along the lines of the subject of this midrash for quite a number of years now. I just wonder what you are thinking of it. First, my first thought that comes to mind is King David. Uh, this is before he was king. He was just that uh, young shepherd that heard all these insults and curses being thrown at the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he said, enough is enough. We need to stand. Well, what happened is that uh, King Saul began to put all this armor on him. He says, no, I don't need this armor because he was already had his armor on, I believe. And that is why he was able to slay the giant, Goliath. And so when we look at this whole thing, we think about Roman armor, when in fact it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So why would we need a flesh and blood example of an armor? It would make sense that this would all relate to a type of spiritual armor that is already talked about within the pattern of of the tabernacle, the Mishkan. Well, that's exactly what they are talking about uh, in this Torah portion, Tetzaveh, where we learn about the priest's garments. You know, I don't remember when it was that this clicked with me. As I'm reading Ephesians 6 and learning about the armor of God and um, looking back at Exodus and seeing how is the high priest clothed? You know, there is a nexus where the physical and the spiritual come together. And in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle, that's it. The priest, and especially the high priest, embody that coming together. And it speaks to the the wider picture of why did God create us in the first place? He is spiritual. Heaven is spiritual. He created this physical reality that we call earth, and then he created us human beings. And somehow or other, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. So we're hybrids. (laughs) (laughs) This is a thing we don't understand very well. And it's why Paul says, you know, the natural man cannot fathom or cannot understand or uh, discern the things of God because they're spiritually discerned. Yes. There's a spiritual and physical dimension to everything. If you over-spiritualize then you're going to go astray because you're missing the physical aspects. But if you cut yourself off from the spiritual aspects and go only with the physical, well, you're going to go astray again because you're missing the other forces that are out there that are influencing our actions. And that's what I like about what our elders said on the priest's armor. And we don't have any idea what's going on in the spiritual realm. We can't see into it very well. Some are gifted this way. But what battles are happening? right around us that we're not aware of. So we get to what Samuel Werp and I were talking about, the line between light and darkness, mm-hmm. and the spiritual nature of this war, which, as he said, the Muslims understand it. Mm-hmm. It's about the Temple Mount. Jews are beginning to understand it. Christians, not so much. Why is the Temple Mount important What's the spiritual aspect of that, Safanya, and why should we be paying attention? 
that is the light on the hill where all nations will flow to it, as the prophets speak about in regard to the Temple Mount. And, and so that is why it's one of the most contested pieces of real estate, because that is the, the grounds which the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will shine his light to the nations for who he is. Uh, and, and also to establish that as his capital, there will be no doubt, and, and the world will not be able to deny it. That's the truth. And um, I don't know how much people would understand. Samuel says the Muslims get it. We'll know when the temple is reconstructed, because then we will have the physical evidence, the sign of God's presence and his communion with humanity. And the reason there is a Jewish people as the visible remnant of Israel and a reconstructed Levitical priesthood now is so that they can be the physical manifestation of that holy interaction between the spiritual and the physical. Yes. That's the spiritual nature of this war, which um, may it be so, Lord, that all your people begin to understand. So that's going to do it for this edition of Reunion Roadmap. We do thank you for listening. And uh, do invite you to go to our website, beneyosefna.com, B-N-E-Y-Y-O-S-E-F-N-A.com. Check out our resources. Check out the donate button. So on behalf of Stefania Pappas, Barry Phillips, and David Jones, this is Al McCarn, Shavuotov. Thank you for joining us on the Reunion Roadmap, a production of B'nai Yosef, North America. Please come back next week for another visit with the people of the Emerging House of Joseph here in North America.